0: Welcome to The Fulfillment Project. I am your host, Sarah Fennell, and today is Thursday, so that means I have a guest with me here today. I'm looking at her right now, her gorgeous face. We have Brenda Johnston back on The Fulfillment Project. If you want to reference back, Brenda was on episode number 31, and we were talking about money mindset a little bit. We were talking about the shifts that she's had in her business and you've actually had some massive, massive changes since that episode. So welcome. I'm so excited to have you back.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited to be back. And yes, I have had some massive, massive shifts.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting because the most downloaded episodes here on the show have actually been around money. So, your episode, Ryan Ucomi's, Chris Harder's. So, I think that this is a really common issue that a lot of people have when it comes to money mindset, money blocks, but they just don't want to talk about it.
1: Well, because money is a pretty sensitive thing, right? I mean, even with my own story, I for years, up until this year, actually. I never really talked about it. Nobody nobody wants to talk about, oh, by the way, I was in debt for like 20 years. I could make money and then lose money. Nobody, who wants to talk about that? Yeah. Nobody does.
0: Yeah. And it's embarrassing. It's, yeah. <laughs> and this is why we're going to talk today. We're going to go over the nine common money blocks or money beliefs that we need to get over. And, and you were saying there's really like 24, I think you said there. Oh yeah. There's several but there's 24 documented
1: ones that we theoretically could talk about but the the ones that I want to talk about today are like the most common ones that people have especially entrepreneurs and I don't even really like the term block per se cuz it's really about a belief and half the time we don't even know that we have these beliefs I didn't and most like I would say 90% of the people I work with don't even realize that they have these subconscious beliefs until we start having conversations. And then they realize, oh, okay, yeah, I can see now why maybe I'm not where I would like to be financially.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting and we're going to share some stories as we're talking back and forth here, but these money beliefs or blocks. They're, they're things that were never completely over. So interesting enough, um, we, uh, Joe and I have a bunch of trips going on over the next, we're traveling four times in the next, uh, in the next 60 days. Um, plus we're going away for 10 days in February. And I went and booked all this stuff and reserved all of our airlines and maxed out our credit card. And then, and it was cleared. And then I I had this like, clenching feeling in my stomach. I was like, I maxed out the credit card. And sometimes an old part of me wants to go, okay, let's just throw a couple thousand dollars on there. When in reality, I was like, no, like just clear it off again. And it's funny when I catch myself doing that because I have the funds to clear it off, but from an old mentality of thinking, well, I'll just throw like a thousand or a couple thousand on. So I think it's, it's a
1: safety thing, yeah. right? Cause our subconscious mind always wants to keep us safe. Yeah, And so you get that that feeling of, oh, that dread feeling is what I call it. Or I like to joke that the feeling that you almost want to vomit on yourself because yeah. <laughs> you see this debt and you see this stuff is like, oh, but yeah, it's just, okay, I have the money just cleared it off. It's funny too, because when people get out of debt, they go through this weird um, phase or they get a new belief that they can't actually spend money anymore. Mm. And so then they'll start to hoard money, which is causes a whole nother problem. <laughs> So it's very, it's a kind of a a delicate balance. You have, it's giving and receiving, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So we're going to dive into all that. But first, she's excited. (laughs) (laughs) So we last talked, it was in August. uh, I believe that was like two months ago. What has happened since you were last on the show?
1: So when we talked in August, I was still working at my corporate job, which I had been at for this, I was going on, this was my 14th year. And since then, I have left my corporate job. So last week, I know, so exciting. Last week was actually my first week uh, as a full-time entrepreneur. And it's been so exciting and fun and crazy. And I just, I don't understand why everybody doesn't do this. Like,
0: it's... But it's the dream. How long were you wanting to do that? 10
1: years. Mm. So it took me 10 years to stop bullshitting myself, really, and stop being afraid of taking the actions that I needed to take. Like, to be honest, and this is why I I also needed to hire you and Joe, I didn't necessarily know how to run a business. I had had a business years ago on my own, and it didn't really... I had clients, and I was making money, but I didn't keep the money. (laughs) I didn't really know how to run the business. I was just like, "Ooh, look at me. I'm really good at what I do and I can make money and I have lots of clients." And that didn't really work out. So, part of me starting this business was scared that, "Oh no, this is going to happen again. I'm going to I'm this isn't going to work." That's where the subconscious mind plays these games, right? Yeah. It goes, "Whoa. Remember you tried to do this before and it didn't work properly?" And so all these things start coming up, and that's why I needed you and Joe to help me get the back end of the systems up and running and kind of figure out where I was going, essentially, because I didn't really know, which sounds weird. I just knew I wanted to help people. That's
0: a really good point, though, because, I mean, we see this all the time with our clients, and I mean, I'm kind of guilty of it from time to time, where you're doing all this stuff in your business, and you're busy. It's not like you have this abundance of time, but then it's like... Well, wait a minute! Like, why am I doing this, and where is this getting me, and do I have a plan? And yeah, I think that's why I like coaching and accountability and having those outside eyes is key. And, and why Joe and I invest in coaches as well.
1: Well, and I'm a creative person, so I get creative squirrel, squirrel brain. brain. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this, and it's like, no, just calm down. You just need to do this. So with you guys and like the relationship we had, validation for me was very important. Like should I be working on this or should I be working on this? And you guys would literally point me in the direction I needed to go. And, and then I was off and running. Mm
0: mm-hmm. Awesome. So if you guys want to go back to episode number 31, you can hear about Brenda's whole story and her journey and, you know, what Joe and I have done with her. We won't dive into all that because that has been done. But let's talk about, let's first talk the little bit of freakouts that you had a couple times when you were coming to <laughs> about to give the notice of quitting your job <laughs> and where you are now.
1: Well, it's kind of appropriate because it ties into the beliefs we're going to be talking about. So as we started getting closer to me actually resigning. So I knew in January, my goal that I set for myself was in January, I said, I'm out by October. And so I had some things that I needed to have in place, which I did. And I had myself completely out of debt within four months. So from January and then four months later, I was all my consumer debt was paid off and I had money in the bank for the first time ever. And so as we got closer to October, and I should backtrack a second. One of my core beliefs that I had was that I didn't actually deserve to keep money or have money, which I had worked through, okay? But this goes back to, like, when things creep up. So as it was coming closer for me to actually resign, my subconscious mind was started kicking into overdrive. And it was like, whoa, I don't know. This isn't going to work, blah, 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 blah. You're not going to be able to keep the money. And what happened was we had some bills that came up, like very large bills. One of our animals got sick, and I would do anything for my animals. So I paid the bill. It was $3,000. And at first, I freaked the fuck out because I was like, oh, God, it's happening again. All the money is going to disappear. The money's not going to come back. I don't know what to do. Blah, blah, blah. And then I just realized, no, you need to calm down. Because the money's always gonna come back. I know the money's gonna come back because I have things in place now. I've adjusted my way of thinking. And when you know, like three weeks later, the money came back. So I was just so paranoid. And then I remember having a conversation with Joe and I was like, well, oh, what if I don't have any clients? And the funny thing about that was my client schedule was basically full for like three weeks, like full. And he was like, okay, where's the reality that you're not going to have clients? And I just started laughing. I'm like, there is no reality. Again, fear, right? Fake evidence appearing real. Mm -hmm. So you have to, I had to step back like several times and just go, okay, seriously, you have everything in place. You're fine. Everything is good. You're good. It's time to go. And I knew it was time to go because when I would go into my corporate job, you can feel it. Things feel heavier light, right? And so I would go in there and I just didn't even feel like I belonged there anymore. So the last few weeks were really just validation for me that I, I was it was time to go.
0: Mm. It's funny that you said that because that just brought me back to when I was working as a dental hygienist and I had replaced my income and I never really even thought about leaving my job, but it got to the point where I was like, I don't belong here. And that that's the best description ever. And I kept thinking like, what am I doing here?
1: Yeah. And yeah. it's also interesting because I not only replaced my income, I was making more then was was, yeah part time yeah and so my logic brain was like okay logically this is a good idea but subconscious mind who loves emotion was like no this is scary i don't want to do it yeah but yeah and then as soon as you just it's almost like you just have to take the leap you just have to say okay it's time you have to literally and we talked about this before you have to let go of the how and just trust that everything is gonna work out as it should. Stop getting so obsessed with things and just realize like as long as you're taking action, like if I came home and worked for myself and slept until noon and didn't do anything, obviously things aren't gonna work out. That's just yeah. logic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have to take action. But trusting that if you're taking action, just let go. Just know it's all going to work out Mm -hmm. because your subconscious mind will do whatever it can to make things work for you.
0: I like what you're saying there about the logical mind too. And this is going to stem into all these, you know, money beliefs we're going to talk about because so many people, you know, I want to make X amount of money or I want X amount of clients. Logically, yes, that's what you want. Subconsciously, what you actually believe is a completely different thing.
1: Yeah. And also understanding that sometimes we make choices. Sometimes it's not even about a belief. Sometimes we're making choices to keep ourselves stuck. So I just, this is why I love what I do, because our mind is just so beautiful and amazing and also a bit of a jerk sometimes.
0: (laughs) You can't get rid of that asshole though, can you? No. <laughs> but this is so cool because you have actually completely switched tar- target markets as well. So last time we had you on the show, you were working with clients for weight loss. That's and funny. I think that that episode of having you on, because some some of the episodes I go back and listen to just to kind of see how I was talking and how it flowed. And sometimes I can actually intake a lot of the information that the guests have been telling me as opposed to just the actual conversation um, when I'm listening later. And I was listening to it. I remember messaging. I'm like Brenda like you're meant to help people with money like why are you helping people with weight loss and you and I both had that light bulb like on the same day I think right
1: yeah it was really weird and what was funny about that was when we were having the conversation and when I was talking about helping people primarily with fat loss at the time I wasn't really helping people primarily with fat loss I was helping people get more confidence and being able to step into who they were and perform at a higher level. But I didn't, it didn't click in with me either until we had that conversation. And then we had the conversation. I started looking at the people I was working with. I was like, Oh, oh, you're right. (laughs) Like, it's funny how things happen like that. Yeah. It's weird. And also it kind of a little bit, um, comes over from my corporate job. Because when I was working in corporate, I was coaching people, I would coach people and help them develop their confidence and help them become better speakers and help them perform at higher levels. So isn't that weird how it all kind of, I'm just doing it on a subconscious level.
0: Yeah. So if I were to say to you, Brenda, what do you do for your career? Like, what do you do in your business? How would you explain that?
1: I help entrepreneurs, I help driven people who want to perform at a higher level become high performers. I help them step into who they are and reprogram their internal thought patterns so that they can create a new blueprint for money and success mm-hmm. and finally have the abundance that they've been looking for. Mm-hmm.
0: Awesome.
1: I literally say to people now, I don't, I, you know, and everybody who listens to this podcast is going to relate to this because they're a lot of them are in fitness and health, Right. When you are trying to help a client, and so say you're offering a program that's like $97, I don't ever want anybody to have to say they can't afford $97. I don't want people to think that making the money is hard. I don't want people to ever have to say that. Like I want people to understand that you can have all the money that you want to have. You just have to work through some mindset first. It's
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. interesting. I remember even at a time, oh, when like years ago, I used to think $100 was a lot of money. But that Me too. was, that was <laughs> usually, that was before. And it's interesting that, because I mean, I have my own like money blocks and stuff and we're going to share some stories through this. But that was more of my mindset when I was stuck on like a salary basis for my hygiene. But now when I've become an entrepreneur, it's more of that abundance mindset of if I just want more money, then I will just make more money as opposed to the lack. Whereas it's interesting that some people can have the, the scarcity constriction of it.
1: Oh, coming from corporate. I mean, I've always deep down known that I was supposed to work for myself. So my brain has always said, if you want more money, just go make more money. Want to buy a motorcycle, go make more money. Like I've always been able to do that, but it's interesting to me now listening to the way people speak and listening to the, the limitations they put on themselves, right? It's like uh, trainers and nutritionists and people in general, if you're not willing to invest in your business, so like yourself, and I'm not talking about getting more letters behind your name, but if you're not willing to invest in like a coach to help you, how do you expect your clients to invest in you, Like there's this weird energy, man. It's money is energy. It's a transfer of energy. Mm -hmm. If you are not charging what you are worth, which like 90% of the people are not, your clients can feel that when you have the clients that are ghosting you for payments, there's a reason you're giving off this energy of like, I'm not worthy or I don't know enough, whatever it is, you're giving that energy off. And so they will pick up on that.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I just had a coaching call with uh, a mutual client of ours, um, Karen, and I was was talking about how she's been working with you, and she's like, I can't explain it, but just something's changed the way I talk to new clients or, like, prospects of clients. She's like, there isn't this scarcity behind wanting to sell them, and she's like, and I didn't even realize it was there before.
1: Yeah, and we don't. We don't realize it because – Not that we're not. No, it's because we're not self-aware enough. It was like somebody asked me, how do you measure success with the NLP and the hypnosis coaching? It really comes down to self-awareness, like realizing how you're speaking differently and how you're reacting differently. Oh, and look at all the money you're making. Like you completely shift.
0: Mhm mhm. All right, so let's get into these nine money blocks. Um we're going to explain them I definitely. What did we listed them all out and I was like, "Great, I have four of them that I can definitely tell personal <laughs> stories of because no one is perfect through any of these." So as we go through these, those of those of you listening here, just be open and aware and have that awareness like what Brenda was just saying there with it has this happened to me, or have I caught myself thinking this way? Or maybe are a couple of these a reason why you're not getting ahead? Because sometimes working harder is not the answer. All right, do you want to start us off with number one there, Brenda? Yeah, so you kind of just led
1: into that. Mm-hmm. One of the top beliefs that people have is that to be successful, you have to work hard. Yes. You have to take action, but it is not about working 100 hours a week and burning yourself out, because especially in this industry of, like, health and fitness, if you're burnt out, what good are you to anybody? You're not good to your clients. You're not good to your family. So it's about realizing that you can actually be very successful working smarter, not necessarily harder. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was one of my things. I const I was like, if I'm not working 80 hours a week, and if I'm not going to corporate land, even when I'm sick and disgusting, then I'm not going to be successful. That's just, that is bullshit.
0: Yeah. Um, this is one for me as well, which is actually why I started working with you, Brenda. I was getting anxiety attacks back in the summer and it was doing launch after launch and this, hardworking mentality. and I think a lot of that does stem from childhood and a lot of it stemmed from being in that employee mindset as well. Even for yourself with corporate, you're saying that you always had to look like you were busy or doing something in order to validate, you know, you being there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's hard for a lot of people to take a step back and still trust that business and clients will come in if you're not actually working hard. So.
1: Well, um, it's here's a funny story for you. Mm-hmm. So last week was my first week as my full-time, just being me, and my subconscious mind actually created the exact same problem I had while I was working two jobs, which was I didn't have time to create things. And how that happened was I got so excited that I could put clients wherever I wanted and I could fill my day completely up with clients that I didn't leave myself any time to do the admin stuff or to create new programs or to work on things that I'm going to be launching. And I literally, and I text messaged you and I was like, mm-hmm. I just made the same problem I had, but that's what our subconscious mind does. Right. Cause that for me for 10 years, especially this past year, my comfort was that I went to work all day and then I saw clients at night and then I would squeeze in other things when I could like a little crossword puzzle that was my comfort. So my subconscious mind said, no, you got to be completely busy when you're working for yourself. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm like that too. And even like now over the past couple of months, I've really been working on, because I usually think like Monday to Friday, like, you know, you need to be working till at least like five, six o'clock at night. But, you know, if I'm getting what needs to be done, done, then what's wrong with taking a bit of downtime? So for example, like this conversation we're having here now, we'll probably finish up around 12, 31 o'clock. I actually have no more work left to do today. So I... Yeah, I have to pick Yay. the I have to pick the kids up because uh, Joe's busy today. But I am going to take off, and I'm done my coaching calls for the day and, and this podcast. So I'm going to do it guilt free. Go. Yeah, you are. Yeah,
1: you are, girl.
0: <laughs> you are. Yeah. Okay. So number two, and I'm sure a lot of you have heard this, is money is the root of all evil. So what does that mean, Brenda?
1: So I just want to backtrack a little bit. So what people need to understand is that these beliefs, these get imprinted on us. typically, by the time we're like a baby to the age of seven, and they get imprinted in three different ways. Verbal programming, which is very powerful. So things that we hear from trusted adults, usually family members. Modeling, so things that we see happening. So if you see your parents or adults around you worrying about money or doing things, And then three is what I like to call a C-S-E-E, a significant emotional experience. So things like money is the root of all evil typically come because we hear trusted adults in our life saying things like, oh, greedy rich bastards. Oh, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer and like all sorts of just horrible things around money and how money makes people turn into assholes. Here's the thing money doesn't make you turn into anything if you are an asshole without money and then you get money you're just probably going to be a bigger asshole but if you're a kind caring giving person without money when you get the money you're going to stay that way but the problem is people think because of this belief that if they get a lot of money it's somehow going to corrupt them and that's simply just not the truth it doesn't work like that. If you're not a jerk, money's not going to turn you into a jerk. Mm-hmm.
0: So if they have this belief, and obviously they don't really... And none of these we realize until we realize them, right? There's that self-awareness mm-hmm. factor. So if someone believes that the money is root of all evil, that they're going to be a bad person with money, does this mean they'll sabotage themselves from actually making it?
1: Oh, yeah, 100%. Because what happens when you get successful? Are people going to judge you? There's a huge judgment piece to that one, especially. People get really nervous about what happens when I become successful. Because mm. if money is the root of all evil, then I turn into a jerk. People judge me. So, yeah, people, this is a big one. People hold themselves back from. I would almost rename this one to like a success block, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's really what it is. Because
0: you also hear like, oh, it's lonely at the top. That type of mentality too, right?
1: Exactly. It's lonely at the top. Being an entrepreneur is hard. I remember when I was telling people that I was leaving corporate, excuse me, for the most part, people were were really excited or they acted excited. But there were so many comments from people like, oh, now it's just going to get so hard for you. I was like, it's only going to get hard for me if I allow it to get hard for me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Or you, you've even heard people say to you, you know, I don't want to work 80 hours a week, so I don't want to be an entrepreneur.
1: Yeah. Okay. So don't work 80 hours a week, (laughs) figure out a way not to work 80 hours a week. I don't work seven days a week anymore. Yeah. Last week I worked five, which was huge to me. I was like, Ooh, I only worked five days
0: before we move (laughs) forward. You have to tell the listeners (laughs) what you did yesterday.
1: So yesterday I had clients in the morning at my space where I see people and I had clients scheduled for later in the day and I had not gone grocery shopping yet. So
0: and what day of the week is it?
1: It's Monday. So I'm sitting in my office and all of a sudden I was like, oh, I'm going to go grocery shopping and I'm not going to feel guilty about it. And I drove to the grocery store, and I literally sat in my Jeep, and I sent Sarah a message. It was like life-changing for me to be able to grocery shop in the middle of the day. I was in and out in 30 minutes. Oh, my Honestly, God, I'm dying. the best thing ever. <laughs> I was like, I'm at the grocery store, and it's in the middle of the day on a Monday. <laughs> it was so amazing. Oh, my God, you're like, hilarious. That was, that was my life-altering moment yesterday. <laughs>
0: hashtag the good life yeah right <laughs> I know I was dying laughing talking to you yesterday and I was like oh yeah I don't go anywhere in the evenings or the weekends there's just way too many people <laughs> I'm never going to ever again either I'm just going out in the middle of the day and you know what you actually get the best choice of food because they stock their shelves in the morning and and all the fresh produce
1: <laughs> who knew
0: yeah you don't get all the picked through stuff
1: <laughs> yeah, that was my life altering moment
0: Brenda's living the high life now <laughs> I love it. All right. Moving forward. Number three is the world is not safe. So
1: this is a big one with a lot of people um, who worry that when they get a lot of money and success that they're going to be targeted or their families will be targeted and bad things will happen. Their kids will get kidnapped or they'll get robbed or whatever else. People will just target them. It's not one of the ones that I see as much, but I also don't know if that's because people that I'm working with haven't thought about that. And it also comes down to like, stop watching the negative news. Okay. Mm, Yeah. Like we give ourselves these beliefs that as we get more success and as we get more money, that everybody's just going to be Paying attention to us, and that's also just not the case.
0: Yes, I think that's a really good point. Around anything with negativity in the news and what you watch, it will affect you internally. A prime example. I don't know if you like *Forensic Files* on Netflix. Yes. I'm a little obsessed with *Forensic Files*. <laughs> Me too. Um, I was binge watching it one night, and Joe wasn't home, and I had to go to bed by myself because he was coming home late. And I swear I heard someone walking outside my bedroom door, and I was freaking out, messaging Joe asking if he was home. I had paranoid myself into thinking there was a serial killer in the house. Because you I, literally
1: hypnotized yourself into thinking that.
0: <laughs> I was so freaked out.
1: But that's what we do, right? We allow these stories to develop in our mind. I love those shows. I can't watch them by myself. Yeah, no, that's Joe's I like
0: just, no more scary shows without me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, back to money. Um, number four, treating your job as a source of income. Oh, this is a big
1: one. So as an entrepreneur, if you are constantly looking at the money and the clients as income, you're going to struggle because it is not simply about having enough. It is not simply about um, being comfortable And when we get to the comfortable place, when people start to go, oh, this is just my source of income, it doesn't work. You have to have a relationship with money. You have to appreciate money. It's like being in a relationship with a human being. You have to appreciate them. So if you're simply like, oh, you know, Sarah's just good for cleaning the house. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like if you're constantly... Only looking at things and going, oh, I just need enough to pay the mortgage this month. I just need enough to pay my car. I just need enough to get by. No, you will always struggle because you need to see it in a different light. And look, look at it this way, okay? You are in a, uh, a role of service. You are helping people. The money is the exchange for you helping as many people in this world as you can. It's not just about being able to pay your bills.
0: Mm-hmm. and it's a really good exercise we do in our mentorship too that joe does with you guys um, and brenda you went through this um laying out what's your minimum like what's your minimum floor per month and when we first go through this with clients they most likely will add up okay what are my expenses and my bills per month there's my minimum yeah and it's funny because guess what you will always hit your minimum
1: Yeah, it was also, so I had unknowingly set a cap on myself because I was not at the beginning of the year, obviously making $30,000 in the business. I didn't need to charge HST and like three or four months into the business, I was realizing that, oh, I'm getting close to $30,000 and subconsciously I was started taking less clients (laughs) Because I was like, I don't to have to deal with the HST number and c- talking to the accountant and dealing with the government and doing all this stuff. I literally capped myself. I realized it quickly, what I had done. And I was like, that's just stupid. And then I went and got the HST number. And then you know what happened? Shit exploded. Funny and I got busier than ever. Yeah. So, yeah, you have to stop capping yourself. Yeah. You that's... have to stop looking at and going... Oh, man, when I make $40,000, when I make $60,000, when I make 80000 a million, whatever. Stop it. <laughs> stop yeah. thinking that it will get better when you reach a certain level.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point with the HST, a lot of people. Because it, the second you don't file for an HST, you are basically saying, I'm making less than $30,000 this year.
1: Yeah, which is just dumb.
0: Yeah. And I mean, yeah, there's a little bit of that extra fee to go through the paperwork of registering for one, but for what, like a hundred dollars or whatever it costs.
1: I don't even, mean, I just got my the accountant. I was like, can you help me do this? And she was like, absolutely. I'm like, great. Yeah. Because I've also learned if it's not in my wheelhouse, don't do it. Get somebody that does it to help you do that.
0: Yes. Yes. Um, Natasha, we both have the same accountant. Yeah. Natasha's amazing. I just like hand her all my stuff. I'm like here. Yeah. Organize for me.
1: <laughs> she walked me through everything because I'm not an accountant. I don't understand how things work.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think that's another big point with money and finances, like, because I don't understand taxes, all of that. And like, that. that's not my role. That's not your role in order to understand how to do all that. But when we stay scared and then not into action or even allowing someone to help us with that, it never moves you forward and you end up in big financial trouble.
1: Yeah. And also... I mean, years ago when I had my own company, I got myself into trouble because I wasn't putting money aside for taxes.
0: I've been there.
1: And so all of a sudden I owed like $20,000 and I was like, where's this money coming from? And so I had to go on a payment plan with the government. Who knew you could even do that? And keep paying down the taxes. So there again, make all the money and then don't have the money because I didn't put anything aside. Yep. And so
0: I did that. uh, I was not even anticipating my fitness business being a business. So to be honest, I was taking the money under the table. And then when I decided to register it as a business, knowing I was quitting my job, um, you know, for financial reasons and from what the government saw I made for loans or whatever I wanted to ask for, for money, I had to go back and claim the money for the first year I was working. And I didn't put anything aside for that. And I ended up in big trouble.
1: Yeah. It's, And that that's scary. So then when you've done that once, you're like, oh, I'm not doing that again. Yeah, I never want to feel that again.
0: <laughs> All right. Number five is feelings of abandonment. Oh,
1: this is a big one. Oh, people have a belief because maybe they've seen stuff happen as a child. They believe that when they make a lot of money and they become successful, the people that are close to them are not going to love them anymore which people listening to this are probably thinking, no, why wouldn't they love me more? Cause I'm making more money. Because they're afraid that you've now stepped out and become at a higher level than them, even though you haven't necessarily, but it's a scary reality when you become very successful and you are growing and you are making a lot of money. Some people will get nervous that they can't keep up with you or that they will have their own belief that you don't love them the same way. So it's kind of a dual thing. It's That's a that's a big one that I see. People are just worried about what's going to happen. Because think about this. If you want to become a wealthy person, who do you need to become to be that wealthy person? Because the person you are right now isn't wealthy, so that's not working. You need to think differently. You need to like step into... Wealthy mind thinking. Does a wealthy person sit there worrying about how they're going to pay their bills or if they have to spend money on something? No. So you literally have to become a different version of yourself, essentially. And that's with anything. That's with weight loss. If you're 300 pounds and you keep eating the donuts, are you ever going to be a fit,
0: healthy person? Yeah. Not likely. Yeah. It's interesting because my sister and I don't have a relationship. We're very different people. We don't have a lot of commonalities, but you know, we've had a few different talks and she always sees me as the big sister who moved away to the big city and became like famous and did something with her life. And, you know, I have a nice car and a really nice house. And I, I know, that there is some of that resentment there. And it's it's hard when it comes to family because we all make our own choices and you can't be sorry for the choices you want to make and not everybody is going to come along with you. And I mean, I've tried to salvage that relationship a little bit and I mean, it's not like we have a bad relationship. We just have no relationship.
1: But And that's what happens though. So people get afraid, right? And I'm not saying that that happens to everybody. So anybody listening to it, don't think I'm saying that. But it's... It's understanding that there are going to be people in your life who get afraid that you're going to change or that they can't keep up and understanding that, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Would this stem in with the comments like, oh, must be nice? Oh, yes. So now my favorite thing
1: to do, because I heard that a lot, especially this year, oh, must be nice to be making all that money. Oh, must be nice. You literally look the person in the eyeball and you go, yeah, actually it is really nice because it allows me to like be able to choose to do different things. It allows me to be able to give back a little bit more. It allows me to help people in other ways. Mm -hmm. Like you literally just deflect that.
0: Other people will try to make us feel bad for their shortcomings, really.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. I've even now that I've shifted into this kind of niche, obviously the things I post about are different. I've had people make comments to me like, oh, all you care about now is the money. Okay, you know what, if you want to say that, yes, essentially I do, because I don't ever want anybody to struggle again. I want people to understand this is not hard. I want people to make a lot of money. So, yes, I guess I do just care about the money.
0: Yeah, It's funny, even like, yeah, my parents, because I mean, when I've posted about entrepreneurship or like freedom lifestyle or, you know, get out of nine to five handcuffs and all that stuff, my mom has taken me aside and she's like, you are basically putting down everything your father and I have worked for. And I had had a conversation with her and said, like, I'm sorry, but, you know, that lifestyle wasn't for me. And it's not for a lot of people. And so many people are stuck. So never be afraid to own, like own what you're doing, own what you have or own what you have earned.
1: Yeah. And uh, money should be making money should be fun. Like it shouldn't be scary. You shouldn't want to vomit on yourself. And I've had people say, well, how are you helping people with money mindset when you're not where you want to be? Okay. Give me a freaking break. I've been on my own for two weeks. (laughs) Yeah. From January to now, I got myself completely out of debt within four months. That's how I'm helping people because I understand that it can be done and I can show you how to do it.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it's like saying, you know, you don't have to be the most ripped person in the world to be able to help someone get in the best shape of their life. Exactly. If you have the tools and tactics and the social proof of your work there. Yeah. Yeah. People are funny. People are just funny. Yeah. Um, number six, feeling like you don't need money.
1: Oh, I love this one. I hear this so much. And to be honest, I used to say it all the time. You know, you know who says they don't need money? People that don't have money. (laughs) So it's true because you say things like, oh, it's not about the money. I don't need the money. We say that because we're afraid that we're not going to have the money. And anytime I hear anybody say that the first thing in my head, I'm like money mindset, but I can't say that to people. So it's understanding that, no, maybe you don't need the money, but money gives you freedom. Like, can you go to the bank and deposit love? No, but you can have money in the bank to take care of the things you need to take care of. Yeah.
0: I've if, even caught myself years ago, like with clients who couldn't pay on time. It's like, okay, I don't need it right now.
1: Oh, me too. Yeah. Yeah. But to be fair, I was doing my thing on the side and I was like, okay, don't be greedy. You don't really need the money. They can pay you whatever. Well, that's stupid. Again, it comes back to like having a relationship with money. If you're in a relationship with a person and you say, I don't really need you around.
0: Uh, how's that going to go? Yeah, probably not the best. Right. All right. Moving on to number seven, thinking rich people are somehow bad.
1: Oh, this also ties into number two, that money is the root of all evil. Hearing your parents or whomever as a child saying things like, oh, those greedy rich bastards. I remember people saying to me, you know, spiritual people shouldn't make money. And so in my head, because I'm very spiritual, I was like, oh, I guess I I don't want to make a lot of money because I'm going to get judged for being a sellout. And that's wrong because the more money you can make the more people
0: you can help yeah we see this a lot with the the yoga world the spiritual world um very much undervaluing what they do
1: well and that also comes back to a lot of the entrepreneurs who undercharge themselves because they don't feel like they deserve the money and they also don't want to be judged when they're making the money it's like Well, you know, if if I'm about helping people, shouldn't I be helping them for free? No, because then how are you helping yourself? Like You have to be able to help yourself. You have to have a good lifestyle as well. So that's, that is a huge one. Yeah.
0: Well, and like you were saying earlier, it's an exchange. So, and all it is is just an energy exchange. That's all that money is. So if you are exchanging services or knowledge or coaching to be able to transform someone's life and make that better, you deserve the compensation.
1: Yeah. It's like, and I said this last time I was on your show, do you go into a store and buy something and then not pay them? Hey, thanks for the stuff. See you later. no. Like, you deserve to have money. Everybody deserves to have money.
0: Yeah. Um, I have a personal story about this, too. So my ex-boyfriend, who I dated for three years, his family was very, very wealthy. Um, And I won't name any names here. um, But even just hearing the way that they were talking about money or about the way that they were... Um, they had a ton of apartment buildings all over Toronto, and it was lower income housing. And just hearing the way that they were sometimes talking about the tenants that lived in there in their buildings. It it affected me afterwards for a little while because I didn't like the way that they were talking about those people and the way that they were segregating themselves away from everybody else. And I can look back at the time I didn't realize that it affected me, but looking back now, I realized that a point of a part of me didn't want to make a ton a ton of money because I didn't want to talk like that about other people. Which
1: goes back to the if you're and I'm not saying they're jerks, but If you are that type of person, if you are a judgmental person to start with, you're always going to be a judgmental person. And that's interesting because judgment comes from a place of insecurity. So if we wanted to get really deep, I wonder what they were
0: insecure about. Mm, Interesting. Yeah. Um, Number eight, believing money will make you unlovable. Also goes
1: back to the feelings of abandonment. So believing that if you have a lot of money, people aren't going to respect you or people are only going to want to be around you because you have money. Status. And so people don't really love you. They just want the status or they just want stuff from you. Mm.
0: And number nine, belief that money, belief that making money is hard.
1: Oh man. This is one of my favorite ones, and I hear this a lot, especially when people have, like, salary jobs. Money is not actually hard to make. If you set your intention and you know exactly how much money you want to make, it's easy to make it. Money is everywhere. Money is an unlimited resource. It's the challenge people run into, and I will ask people flat out when they come to see me, I'm like, how much money do you want to make? Most people get really awkward and they lowball themselves. And I'm like, why do you only want to make that much money? Well, because, you know, it's it's going to be really hard to make a million dollars a year. It's going to be really hard to make six figures. Why? Well, because I'm going to have to work 80 hours a week. Goes back to the hard work equals success thing. It's like, no, figure out how much money you want to make and then work backwards. So if you want to make $250,000 a year, it's a month so how do you get the $20,000 a month and it's hard for a lot of people because if you don't have that um, internal blueprint if your thermostat like some people call it or if your floor is low the thought of making $20,000 a month is mind-blowing to people so then they give themselves this belief that it can't be done and this is where we come into, sometimes it's not just a belief, it's a choice. So sometimes we make the choice to go, oh, that's hard. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Money's actually very easy to make. You just have to take action. If you're sitting there doing affirmations and wondering why money's not falling out of the sky on your face, it's because you're not taking action on anything. You have... <laughs> I like to compare this to a GPS, right? Three components for a GPS to work. The final destination, so the amount of money you wanna make, the path to get there, the actions you're gonna take, but your current location. Nobody ever stops to think what their current location is. And guess what doesn't work if you don't have a current location? Your internal GPS system doesn't work. Nobody stops to look and go, this is where I'm at right now, and this is why I'm feeling this way. You have to figure that stuff out first and then money's really easy to make.
0: Mm -hmm. So some people listening here, you might think you're like, well, I'm doing action. I'm marketing myself. I'm out there networking. Go back through this list and see if any of the beliefs are there because you can be doing the action and nothing is happening because of the beliefs and you will actually be self-sabotaging yourself and omitting a vibration of scarcity or Mm -hmm. lack of belief. Um, And then other people can be doing the lack of action, just hoping to believe, but their beliefs are all fucked up anyways.
1: Yeah, and it comes back to our, we all have these internal money and success blueprints. So if our conscious mind is saying, yeah, I want to make a million dollars a year, but our internal blueprint is still set to scarcity, lack and doubt, then that's going to sit there and go bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. So if you're doing affirmations like I am wealthy, I am this, that's an amazing start. But sometimes, depending on the beliefs we have, we have to shift the language so that our subconscious can understand. Subconscious mind can only do two things, accept or reject information. So if it thinks you're bullshitting it, it's not going to accept it. So if I know that I'm in debt and I'm sitting here going, I'm a millionaire, I am this, my subconscious blueprint is going to be sitting there going, bullshit. The way around that is to phrase them a little bit differently I'm in the process of becoming a millionaire. I'm in the process of being able to do this, or I am choosing to do something. So you just shift the word a bit. Cause if you say I'm in the process or I'm choosing subconscious has no choice, but to believe that because you are in the process or choosing to do something. So it's about understanding how we have to shift the way we think and shift the way we speak to be able to develop and create new stories and create new empowering beliefs that can push us forward. And don't give up so easily. Don't sit there and do your affirmations for like two days and then go, nothing's happening.
0: It's like going to (laughs) the gym and doing cardio for two days.
1: I'm not thin. (laughs) You have, it takes time and patience. You have to stick with it. Our subconscious mind will buy into the new beliefs, but it takes time and repetition. Like you have to keep going. Don't get Mm -hmm. frustrated just because you didn't get instant gratification, like everything in life people want. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Do you ever have clients come to you who are stuck? Maybe they're like, I don't know what my money beliefs are. How do you identify that for someone?
1: Uh, Yes, I have that happen all the time. It's really funny I have this ability, and I guess it's why it makes me so good at what I do, to be able to have a conversation with people and just ask specific questions and the answer comes out. It's not my job to tell you what your beliefs are, but it's my role to help you go, oh, oh, right. Like, I mean, you and I have had conversations working together where, you'll say something and I'll just ask you a simple question and it leads to the reason behind something. So mm-hmm. it's just about having conversations. So Sarah, like, tell me about when you were growing up, what, what was money like in your household? How did your parents deal with money? Hey, Sarah. So as you got older, tell me about the jobs you had, Like it's literally just about asking the right question and it brings stuff up for people.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's interesting. Even talking about beliefs, we were, I'll share this personal story. We were (laughs) out for dinner the other night, uh, you and I, and, you know, I've dealt with fibromyalgia issues, and it's even like my whole breast implant illness, and I hid it from so many people. And I was saying to you, I'm like, yeah, like I actually like I hid how sick I was to even Joe. Or sometimes I'd be in bed like all day, and then like Joe and the kids come home, and I put on a smiley face. And you sat across from me, you're like, why do you do that? And I was like. I have no idea. And you're like, who in your life hid their sickness? And I didn't even dawn on me, but my mother had cancer when I was 13 years old. And there was a, a discussion. A, we sat down as a family. She told us she was sick, but then I don't remember my mom ever being sick. And it wasn't until years later in my twenties where she actually told me that, well, I, you know, I hid this from you. I, I wanted life to go on as normal for you. And I didn't want you to see that side of me. So like, like I can I remember that now, but we just sometimes don't piece the those pieces, the, put the dots together for ourselves.
1: Well, and we don't. Under, there's a perfect example of modeling. You modeled what you were taught to do. Your subconscious believed that if you're sick, you just hide it from everybody. Mm-hmm. But people don't understand. Like our subconscious mind is so powerful, it holds on to things like everything through our whole entire life. It's possible to make change and change quickly, but you have to be consistent and understand where these beliefs are coming from. And I mean, that's, that's where I come in, right? Like I help people rewire their internal thought patterns. And I do that. I love this because I went through it before I even started doing this with people. And I realized I don't want to use the word magical, but honestly, sometimes it feels magical because I, you can get results so quickly Mm -hmm. if you're putting in the work. Like I don't just work with you and put you to sleep and then you magically wake up and you're healed. It doesn't work like that. You
0: have to do the work too. Mm -hmm. So as we wrap this conversation up here, um, why do people get these beliefs imprinted on them? Is it Obviously, I know it's at a younger age, but is it from repetition of hearing things? Is it to model? Is it to keep us safe? Like, is it all the above?
1: Yes. So repetition is a big, big thing because what happens is our beliefs, we already know, impact our lives. Dominant thoughts. So things that we hear, we can hear something and it gives us a thought. And that dominant thought will lead to a dominant belief. And then it keeps snowballing. That dominant belief starts to lead to like a dominant story. So if we heard our parents talking about rich people get rich and they're jerks, whatever, that's a thought we have. And then we start telling the story because we keep hearing it. Well, our parents said it, and then we probably heard it from somebody else, and then we probably heard it again. And then those dominant stories that we keep telling ourselves inside, like, oh, I don't want to be rich because then my parents are going to think I'm a jerk, becomes your identity. Mm -hmm. So that repetition that keeps happening, we start to see patterns, right? It's like, oh, if so-and-so said that rich people are bad, and then you start to go through your life— And you can look back and start to recognize, oh, oh, yeah, I heard that there. Oh, oh, yeah, those people said that. That must be true. Subconscious, accept or reject. Mm
0: -hmm. Especially like as a child, we look up to our parents and teachers and those people for authority. So what they say, we believe. It's like
1: when I was young and I was in school, I had a teacher tell me that I was bad at math. And so my whole entire life, add to that that my parents, I'm an artist, so my parents were like, you know, it's okay, you're not a mathematician, you're creative. So my whole entire life, I developed this belief that I sucked at math. Well, that's kind of problematic, because do you know it's related to math, numbers, money. So if I'm bad at math, I must be bad at money. Ironically, I'm actually quite good at math. But because I had this belief, I would look at my debt over the 20 years ago. Oh, I suck with money. That's why. Oh, I don't have, I suck with money. I'm bad at money. Mm. Really? Mm-hmm. So I had to, I had, that was a big one for me was having to realize that I'm actually quite good with money and I'm quite good at math and giving myself the new story that like, I'm good at math. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, what's funny, you were just talking there, I think, and we're having a, a breakthrough <laughs> moment for how, what Brenda's coaching me on right now. So Brenda and I, Brenda's working with me for anxiety, for my workaholicness that I do, my always needing to work hard. Uh, when you're talking about teachers there, all of my report cards growing up, all through grade school, even through high school, it was always, Sarah needs to try harder. Sarah needs to try harder. And I remember my parents always saying, you're so smart, Sarah, you just need to work harder, you need to try harder. And there you go. That's so funny.
1: Ah. Yeah. But that, but do you see how that happens? Yeah. Like we have these people in our life, and they're not doing it on purpose. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I think I'm going to fuck my kid up today. Yeah. It's just, it's just, that's what they've been taught. So it goes back to repetition again over the years. What did they learn from people? Well, if you look at the age of some of our parents, their parents went through the war. -hmm. And there was lack and there was scarcity. So they learned to model the behaviors of those people. So everything snowballs.
0: Yeah, especially, you know, my parents, they never went to college or university. I mean, heck, I remember my dad going back for night school to finish high school because he didn't. So with that generation, which a lot of our listeners here can probably understand, our parents were, you know, get a job and then save for your retirement. And everything was about lack and saving and constriction. So when we saw that growing up, and now we are, in, we are in such an abundant world now that I don't think we even understand. We have no lack of food. You can make money. As the best time to ever make money is at a time like this because of all this technology we have. But yet, yeah, we're imprinted with all these beliefs of how we grew up.
1: And it's so interesting because when I was growing up, it was go get a corporate job, climb the corporate ladder. When you reach the top, you're successful. So for a lot of people that are my age or older, so I'm 44, but mostly older people, watching the generation now jump from job to job to job and doing all these, it freaks them out because they're like, what what are you doing? Like, why are you doing that? Because I have the ability to make more money doing this. And people realize you don't have to get the corporate job. And am I saying that corporate jobs are evil? No, they're great for some people. They just weren't me.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a really valid point there. I mean, not everybody is born to be an entrepreneur. Not everybody has that self-starter, self-discipline mentality. But, you know, those that do and that those are who are brave enough and who put the, the action plan in place and the discipline to make, make it happen... I mean, now can you now that you're you are full-time into what you're doing, do you feel a complete energy shift? Oh my, yes. It's insane.
1: My I mean, I'm a creative person to start with, but the the ideas that are coming to me and just the way I'm getting things done and able Okay, this is going to sound silly. I go to the gym in the morning and then I walk my dog and not having to rush in the morning has allowed me to be able to come home and do like my morning meditation. And I don't actually start my client day until 10 o'clock, Yay. <laughs> which for me, the first week was a little bit scary because I'm like, Oh, you're being lazy. You're not working, but here's the thing. I can choose my hours. So maybe I'm also doing work at six or seven that night. Maybe I'm seeing clients. So everything has shifted. The, uh, the, even when I'm walking outside, the frickin' leaves look different. Okay. Everything looks brighter, which to me is my signal that I made the right choice. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. I'm so proud of you.
1: Thank you. I'm so proud of me too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much for coming back on the show. I'm going to ask you again, and I know I asked you this on the, the first episode, but has the meaning of fulfillment shifted for you at all?
1: Yeah, it has actually. Mm-hmm. It's still about stepping into who you are, but now being fulfilled really, to me, is about creating the life that you want and bringing the things into your life that you want and bringing the people into your life that you want and leaving your mark. I like to think that I am like a little ripple in the water, and I want to make a big giant ripple I want to affect so many lives that those people affect other people's lives and we just create this giant ripple that's what fulfillment is to me just being able to make an impact and help change
0: people's lives Mm -hmm. I love it I love it thank you so much for your time again Brenda
1: thank you so much for having me again